change is the only constant in every aspect of our lives, be it how we work, how we live, how we learn. It forces us to make the right decisions without the choice of looking back at history and conventions to know what's right. I am Vikram Baskaran, and this is Chargebee's Champions of Change podcast, where we talk to changemakers who've walked before us, built businesses on first principles, and unearthed their tips and tricks to identify change and turn that into opportunity. Remember, you're just one decision away from being a change maker. Hello, everybody. Today we have with us Jean Patrick, CEO and co-founder of ScaleUp Edge. She leverages her extensive experience in strategy, operations, and client account management to transform underperforming businesses into profitable performers, accelerating automation and leading through significant change from startup to repeatable and scalable organizations. For Jean, it doesn't end with setting up the strategies for success. She's always ready to roll up her sleeves and deliver items that would help a company build and grow as it requires. So welcome to the show, Jean. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So earlier we caught up with uh, Tommy Forstorm from uh, Teachable and pulled uh, this anecdote on how the scale-up stage is like a teenager, right? Many people don't realize the many parts involved in scaling up. It's not just a one-step solution. So many nuances to it. As someone who specializes in this particularly awkward scale-up phase, I'd love to hear from you about the challenges that come up in the various stages of first thing, is scale up just one little phase or is it many little micro phases that are all mashed together? And what kind of challenges do you face in these? Yeah, I appreciate you uh, giving me some time to talk about scale up because it's definitely a passion of a scale up edge company that I run as the CEO. Um, so scale up is in between startup and enterprise. So it is kind of this messy middle. What we do is we look at that there are really three stages of scale up. So when you go from startup to scale up, you've basically gone from founder to scale. You've, you've been able to identify product market fit. You have a product that customers are interested in purchasing. You're able to identify product market fit. So now what you're looking at is how do I grow the company? So grow scale. And you're still really small company. And then it's about options. What are the options? What are the right options? Or what are the options for you to leverage that scale? The middle stage of scale up, you tend to be looking at a couple, two, three different products. You're still growing. You're probably getting ready for some type of an exit, thinking about you know your growth going into different regions. And then the third stage is, is again, preparing for exit, whether it's in additional investment dollars or moving into an enterprise path. So that first part of it, you get excited as a founder. You got product market fit. It's exciting. And now you go, oh, now what do I do? I'm going to have to hire people. I'm going to have to look at what are the things that are interesting in the market? What are, what are customers asking more about? Those kinds of things. So let's, let's start with that first phase, right? Or rather, let's start with a few steps before that first stage when, when you're in that, in that slightly earlier stage of maybe startup, where you're focusing on the product market fitment. What would you categorize as an immediate red flag that most companies miss at this phase? And in that first stage, what we see often is people try to do too much at one time. And, you know, you as you are a leader within that first stage is a founder wants to do everything. So a founder is used to doing everything within the startup phase. He or she, if they're moving into scale up, they're used to doing and, and being able to do everything and really 
resources and time is what is critical in scale up. So you're now growing. So some of those administrative tasks as a CEO or some of those uh, tasks that other people could be doing for you, you're going to have to let that go a little bit, but you also have to prioritize. Again, uh, we work with CEOs that will come in and say, I can do all of these things. I can do marketing. I can do these pieces of it. It's true. You can, but the focus is about what is your priority? What, what are the levers that you need to pull at the time that allow you to keep moving to scale? And so what we do a lot work with CEOs is that our methodology is really focused on having people learn how to create a data-driven functionality methodology around understanding when you pull those levers, what does that do to your company and the data that goes along with it? So those are, I mean, I can't tell you enough because people will say, I have to do all these things and you're, you're going to get just inundated and not really get, you're going to miss the growth opportunity that you have. Love it. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask a weird curveball here. What happens when you, when, when you try to scale up too soon then? Like what happens if you, if you try to jump the curve and, and try to get into the scale up phase before you're ready for the scale up phase? You could stall out. You could just hit the ceiling and um, the levers that you're trying to pull could inhibit you from growing. And you could actually start kind of degressing a little bit on, on uh, your growth pattern. So you have to, it's really an, an exciting time. But uh, again, if you have that data that's at your fingertips and you can track trend, you can understand what those levers you're pulling priority wise, and then also see what it's doing to your, you know, you, you have to understand that as you continue up your growth. So once you're onto this, this kind of a growth curve, right, there's this question of using tools and automation. There's also this problem of now suddenly you have, you have your organization growing, which means you have a bunch of data sitting in all of these different silos. So how would you typically advise companies to leverage automation to reduce these silos, create repeatability and scalability when you're running a business at the scale-up phase? So if you go from startup to scale-up, pay attention to those silos when you move, when you grow. I was part of an organization that we had, we were a scale-up company and we had a couple hundred different systems that weren't talking to each other. So it, uh, I would tell you, pay attention to that from that silo perspective, because you can't, again, time and resource money are important to you like ever before. So the, the silo piece of it is you, you got to break down those walls. You, you have to grow together as a C-suite team. So what we do too is we talk to companies about, we assess the, the leadership skills required, both of what you have today in a company from not title so much as what are the gaps and competencies required so that you can, as a team, a C-suite team can kind of fill in the gaps as a team so that you move together forward. Because if you're moving within silos, you're not going to be able to move as quickly. Plus, you won't know what are some of those levers that you're pulling. You need to know what other people are pulling those levers. You want to know those dollars. One of the things that another gotcha moment is when if you're, if you're sitting in a, in a scale-up company and somebody's saying, that's my budget, I will tell you, it's all of your budget. And, and that's the, the goal is you have to focus your resources. You have to focus your money, focus on the growth that you're targeting. So. Closely aligned with the idea of a scale-up is 
digital transformation, right? Where you have organizations that are that are going through this this digitization or probably even redigitization. And you've mentioned that leading uh, something like this is like preparing a championship team. So can you can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I I always uh, talk about how um, I come from a team environment. I grew up in a, in an athletic. Uh, a long time ago, I was part of an athletic, uh, like college athletics. So I've learned some of my leadership skills are based on that team focus. And so as you create your digital transformation, you want to have the superstars that really connect together. So one of the challenges I have seen and I learned early on in my career is you can have a superstar, but if they don't fit within the team, you're not going to move as quickly as you want to. I would love to have. 12 superstars that click and work well together because you're going to be that much better along the way. So as the digital transformation takes place, you have to have people who are thinking ahead, communicating with each other, communicating with all stakeholders, understanding what results are needed to move with the change and um, really have an opportunity to understand that the team success is really what you're looking for, not the individual success. In, in in pretty much any transformation, right? So one thing that, that stands out very clearly from what you're saying is there are, there are these two pieces. There's the strategy, there's the levers that we talk about, which levers to pull, and then there's the cultural aspects of it. And clearly, both of these need to be aligned, especially when you're when you're in that in that messy phase of scale up where not everything is processized and documented just yet. How do you create a culture that's able to recognize and reward this kind of innovation and, you know, build a bunch of leaders who are able to navigate through this, this, this messy journey? You know, um, it'd be nice to have, here's one, the one right answer, right? But I would tell you, it really does focus on really, in my opinion, two key areas, and that is communication is you have to over-communicate with your team. You have to communicate with your stakeholders. You have to communicate as a, as a leader within an organization. Change happens often in scale-up. You know, as we talked about, you pull these levers and, and you have a commitment and you, you focus on what is the strategy you're going to commit to what that strategy is and that option. If it's changing as you didn't plan or if something's not happening, you may have to adjust that. That communication is key for everybody to continue to keep moving forward together. So communication is a huge, is a big key to that. The other part of it is you need to fail fast. So, you know what, allow people to fail fast. So that's your innovation. Don't, you know, hold people back, have them communicate. They know where they're going to and allow them to solve and recognize it's working, it's not working. If it's not working, move on. Don't stop hold you you know just learn from that so um i i, I want to go into the second piece here a little deeper first right because you know we we talk about you know a, a building a culture of failing fast building a culture of experimentation move fast and break things but how do we build a culture because we also see these you know these these success stories of you know people who just hit the first ball out of the park so how do we consistently build and appreciate a culture of failure? Recognize it. Acknowledge it. You know what? Communicate them. So say, you know, be okay with it. Be proud of it. Not saying that, I mean, shoot, I'm the first, I'm so competitive with myself, but you know what? You've tried things because what's interesting is when you communicate those things you've tried, there's usually good ideas that come from that. 
And so if you're not celebrating some of those areas that you've tried, people will just hold it inside and you're losing an opportunity to innovate off of that, uh, off of that piece of it. Beautiful. And now coming up to, the, to your first point in terms of communication, is there, is there some kind of a framework or a, or, or, or a best practice that you've kind of noticed to ensure consistent communication in a scale-up? And particularly, yes. just one more little point there, right? And how is communicating in a scale-up different from communication in a startup or communication in a, in a in massive enterprise where everything happens over email? Yeah, so um, communicating in a startup, it's a smaller group. And you have you tend to have the founder kind of wearing multiple hats, or there's just a smaller group of people, and it's easier to communicate verbally, you know, within the group that way. As you scale, you're adding new people into the team often and a lot as you as you grow. And so uh, that's the challenge that you have from a communication perspective. Enterprise things aren't moving as quickly as they do with scale. So the speed within scale up is the challenge. What are some of the best practices? What we do is we go through and identify really a a, a data-driven, kind of a transformational data-driven process that we actually teach CEOs to to learn to do themselves. And in there, in that process, we talk about once you have the commitment, once you have options, you know, you we see people doing all hands, we see people doing uh, stand-ups, we see people doing um, uh, weekly. Um, how are you doing against goal? And it, and it doesn't have to be long meetings, but it's this tracking mechanism that goes on and giving people access to those metrics along the way that, that, so I've seen, I've seen companies that do all hands every week, which that might be a little too much because as you have new people come on board, you know, you're, you're taking a lot of time, but you know, you need to have that communication with your team. And also you need to be communicating with your board members. So uh, again, you, you, no surprises. You don't want surprises with your board members. And we do talk with our CEOs to put a plan in place and how, how you leverage that communication channel as well. Brilliant. And this is, this is act, actually that, that kind of strikes uh, uh, something uh, somewhere special for sure for me, because uh, for us particularly, right, at Chargebee, as we, especially as we, as we started into the scale-up phase, I'd say one of the biggest transformations was in terms of the operational rigor that that we brought in place, and I think that's that's been very instrumental in us at least demessifying the the mess of the scale up, right? And so, yeah, I think that's a brilliant point. So, Jean, you've also been instrumental in turning around a whole bunch of underperforming businesses into profitable businesses, which is which is kind of a completely different ballgame. Right. So what were some of the, the strategic initiatives that you had to focus on in doing this? And in terms of, you know, like when you first walk into the shop floor of an underperforming business, what are some of the immediate things that you would look to, you know, eliminate or correct or turn around? Yeah, um, I appreciate this question because, uh, you know, I have had people ask me that multiple times. And um, so I come from the standpoint of I always want to teach people how to be successful going forward. So when I walk in and I've walked into, whether it's groups of a a, a business unit or a business, walk in and basically I look at what is the current situation? So there are certain people, process and technology. What is it today? 
how is it happening today? And I kind of segment that and I involve people in that conversation. And what sometimes people get a little worried about, you know, coming in to have this conversation, but it's, I take the approach of, I'm here to be another set of hands to work on best practices so that you ongoing, especially in scale up, because scale up changes so often quickly, it's, you shouldn't have to rely on somebody. What we do is we create this uh, learning methodology for people to be able to go and get those steps in that process. So you come in as the, here's the as is, both on the metrics, here's trend information, customers, usage. You know, you look at a number of things from your current situation. Then you work closely with the stakeholder or when I ran companies, I would go and say, okay, what is it we're committing to? Whether it's commitment to the board, whether it's commitment to our company stakeholders, whether it's commitment to, you know, um, people who are, you know, financing, providing their funding information. What is that commitment? What are those options based on that trend information? What are the options and focused on the commitment? Then you land on one of those options. You land on, here's what we're going to do. And then you communicate and then you look at how to execute. And that's kind of the second stage of this is here's the assessment that we go through as to what is the right option based on that commitment. Third stage is really the communication that goes with it and the measuring of that. The fourth stage is kind of that ongoing and keep in mind, there is an opportunity that you have to shift and move and change, especially at Chargebee. You guys are always moving quickly and things are, are, are probably moving and trying to keep keep that growth growing as quickly as you guys are, which is amazing, by the way. Congratulations on what you guys are doing. But that's really the methodology that we go through. And then the ultimate goal is that we hand over that thinking and we have different, you know, kind of a membership that goes through where they have access, our, our customers that we work with today, they have access to the templates, the best practices, the how-to, so that they become uh, fluent with that. When I did this myself, when I was running operations, I would increase the knowledge and the understanding of my leadership team so that they could go through and recognize challenges and opportunities um, so that as you focus on either it's the growth or it's focused on uh, operational excellence, efficiency, more people can do that than just rely on person. So my final question, you kind of, you, you, you spoke about superstar players a little bit, right? And I want to, I want to focus on, like, we talk about team and when we talk about strategy, I think, you know, you can't miss out the people there. And specifically, you've, you've mentioned that you don't believe that great teams need superstars, right? You can't, and I think that perfectly makes sense. You can't just put a bunch of superstars together in a box and expect magic to happen. But there's also this, this alternate philosophy of, you know, you want a players and A players are going to hire A players, and that's going to be absolutely necessary to build a high performance environment. So, when can hiring superstars go wrong, and why should companies like how how should companies be thinking about their teams and the the kind of teams that they want to build out? Yeah, let me tell you a really quick story that I learned early on in my career when I was coaching high, uh, high school sports long time ago. What I did is I had a team that I had a, a superstar. She was an amazing basketball player on the team. And uh, she was just incredible. She That year, we only won three games. And the next year, she moved on up to the varsity level. I had an average skill level of, of team players. And that year, we only lost three games. 
Now you could say, okay, what are the differences? Maybe I became a better coach. Maybe, you know, we had a, a better schedule, but not really. What I recognize at that point is it's about how the team works together. Because what happened when I had the superstar on the team, they looked for her to do everything. And she could by herself, but she couldn't compete at a level against five strong performing players on a basketball team. So carrying that into a leadership role, I have seen where you have a superstar on your team and they get a lot of attention and they look for those accolades and they want the individual attention. The people around them tend not to push as hard or really they don't work well together. I'd love to have a whole team of superstars, A players, superstars, but don't lose sight of how they work together. Because if you don't have that working together culture or that synergy or whatever that is, you're going to, you're going to not move as quickly as you need to, especially in scale up because you have to move quickly. And um, that to me is key. So again, I would rather take, you know, performers that are working together well than a superstar, whereas the team is kind of waiting for that superstar to do their magic. If you can get that superstar to work together with that team, it just elevates the team as a whole too. Perfect. Perfect. That uh, I think, I think um, I, I don't remember who said this, but basically you're, you're, you're bringing in a bunch of vectors, right? Which means you, you have a bunch of people who are all aligned in the same direction. Even if individually it's, it's, it's smaller, the net result is really good, but you have two really huge vectors, but on opposite directions, then your net result, you're just going to be stuck at the same place where you started. And I think that's a, a really good philosophy uh, to think about. And overall, this is, this is, this, this went great, uh, Gene. That's, uh, I think there's, there's first right from the definition of the term scale up, which is, I would say, relatively new. And particularly because, I mean, it, it, it also talks about our, how we think about organizations. We think organizations go through this, this startup phase where everything is, you know, hard and figuring out and product market fit. And then you get 100 customers and then they become 1,000 customers and then they become a million customers and then they become a billion customers and then you take over the world. But that's not really true. There's, there's this, this big, messy place in the middle. It's like, all right, so you're a toddler and then one day you're an adult making, making money. But there's actually this, this little face in the middle called growing up. And you alluded to it beautifully. I think you've, you've been really helpful uh, for me and our listeners, hopefully, in terms of demystifying what this what this messy scale up means, yeah, it, you know the one thing I want to add, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, one thing that I'd like to add is I see often where people go, "How do I get into scale up?" You know what? I, I want to be a and they, and they say a title, and I want to get into scale up. And I will tell you, um, title is interesting for me about that piece of it because in scale up, as you build a team. You look and say, okay, what are the strengths of my team? You don't look at what their title is. You look at what are the strengths of the team and what are the areas at the time my company is today and also a little further ahead, what other skill do I need to incorporate, competency do I need to incorporate into the team as we continue to grow? So as a CEO, you need to pay attention to that. Not, I tell people, forget about the title. Think about what it is you bring to the table and how you can elevate the C-suite team to continue to grow. I tell people I have a 15-year-old son and the titles that he, when he goes out in the workforce, you know, five, six, eight years from now, probably not eight years, he better go out and get a job earlier than that. But anyway, (laughs) those titles 
some of them haven't even been created yet. But the competency of communication, working together, analytics, understanding those pieces and parts, to me, that is a big difference in scale up than enterprise. And the thing in sitting in startup is you have a founder that probably wears every hat there is, and or maybe there's a co-founder that wears other hats, but they're just wearing those hats. Now you have to, as scale up as a founder, you have to kind of release some of those hats to that competency or having trust in people to be able to add to your team to do that. So that's, I think, um, so important to think about in scale. It's exciting time. It's, it's, you're going to see results. It's hard work. You got to be able to roll your things up and you got to be able to get up from a strategy perspective. Brilliant. Thank you so much, uh, Jean. That was, that was a brilliant conversation. I loved it. And thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate your time too. Thank you. Thank you.